I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanyap. That's Creole for something extra. We got a great picture, what's his name? Well, we can't even spell it. We don't worry about the pen as much. We just like to see the boys hit it deep. There's nothing like the view from the cheap seats. You're listening to the Cheap Seats by the band Alabama, the unofficial anthem of 1994's minor league baseball season. A young Ryan McGee had jumped at the chance to work for Peanuts as an intern for the Asheville Tourists. In 1994, it was one of 120 minor league baseball teams in the country. A budding sports journalist, McGee was already an ardent baseball fan with a special passion for baseball's minor league teams. His new book, Welcome to the Circus of Baseball, a story of the perfect summer at the perfect ballpark at the perfect time, chronicles his time as an intern, memories from the characters to the concessions. It's our May selection for Bookmarked, the Under the Radar Book Club. Ryan McGee is a senior writer for ESPN The Magazine and co-host of The Marty and McGee Show for ESPN Radio and the SEC Sports Network. McGee also writes the ESPN.com column called The Bottom Ten, which ranks the 10 worst teams in college football. He's written several books, including the New York Times bestseller, Racing to the Finish, My Story, which he co-authored with Dale Earnhardt Jr. And Ryan McGee joins me now from Charlotte, North Carolina. Welcome to Under the Radar, Ryan. Thank you. I'm uh, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> well, I'm excited to talk to you, too. Now, let me just start by saying you have no idea how special your book is. I am the resident anti-sports person. I don't care about it. I don't read about it. Um, and I am grumpy that in my cable package, yes, I still have one, <laughs> I have to pay for the sports because I would rather take it out. But I loved this book. So many characters, so many moments. Um, uh, it just really went, made me want to go get a hot dog and some sketchy nachos. So congratulations to you. Well, thank you. And first of all, <laughs> as an ESPN employee, uh, my daughter's college fund appreciates the fact that you have to pay for, for, for our channel. But but I, I'll say that, but thank you. And I, and I hope that that's the appeal of the book. Well, let's start this way. Um, what prompted you to write down these stories? You're, you write for a living. Um, you've obviously known these stories for a long time, and you've written several other books before this. So was there a moment that just got you thinking, I need to capture this in some way? Yeah, I mean, bless my wife's heart. She's been hearing these stories for you know more than 25 years, ever since we've been married. But, but there are certain you know moments in your life, and it could be a, a minute, it could be a month, it could be, in my case, a summer, that you carry with you you know, for the rest of your life as a young person and something that impacts you. And I grew up in a house that loved minor league baseball growing up in the Carolinas. You know, we didn't have major league baseball in this part of the world. And so every little town throughout the Carolinas seemingly had a minor league baseball team. My family, that's what we would do. You know, Hey, we've never been to see the fatable generals. Let's go there. You know, we've never seen the Augusta green jackets. You know, that's a couple hours away. Let's go there. And so we kind of collected minor league ballparks, including McCormick Field in Asheville, home of the Asheville Tourists. And so when I landed a $100 a week job with a place and a team that I loved so much because of the house I grew up in, I remembered every moment 
And, and I also only had that one snapshot. All my friends who've worked in minor league baseball for 30 years, they don't remember as much as I do because I just had this one concentrated, you know, summer of great memories and stories that I have worn my poor friends and family out with forever. And I had a chance to, to actually write it for everyone else. Well, I'm glad that you did. Now let's put a little context for people who don't know Asheville and don't know the Asheville tourists. First of all, Asheville is a beautiful place, often known as the Paris of the South. It's got all these historic homes and Art Deco buildings, and a lot of mountain biking and hiking. It's gorgeous. Um, it also has a beautiful Frederick Law Olmsted Arboretum. Um, he designed the landscape around the Biltmore Estate for George Vanderbilt, which some say is still uh, America's largest private home. So that's Asheville itself. Now, the Asheville tourists, when you say minor league, explain what that means to people. So, you know, if, you, if you're familiar with the big league baseball, like everyone is, that's the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers and the Giants. But those players have to come from somewhere. And as long as there have been major leagues, there have been minor leagues. And these are the teams where, you know, kids right out of college and older players uh, still trying to make their dream become a reality, that's where they play. And those towns are in small towns. They're in medium-sized towns. I live in Charlotte. You know, we have, we, we're a pretty good-sized town. We have an NFL team and an NBA team. But we also have a minor league baseball team, a AAA team. And so this is the ladder to get to the show, as the players call it. And in mm-hmm. Asheville, um, you know, we have different levels, right? And in Asheville, we had Class A. And, you know, it's A, AA, AAA, and, you know, some other layers in between. But – these were the guys uh, right out of college and in some cases right out of high school. And in some cases, when it came from the players from the, from the Caribbean, uh, I'm not so sure they had, uh, they weren't um, maybe freshmen and sophomores in high school. And so we had them all in this team and in this mix. And, and you mentioned Asheville. It is one of the most eclectic, um, one of the most vibrant and one of my favorite towns in all of the United States of America. And, and I've traveled everywhere. And when you throw all that together, um, that makes for a pretty good summer, even if you're only making $100 a week cash. So who was Ryan McGee, the young Ryan McGee in 1994 when you headed to Asheville for that $100 a week? He was right out of college. Uh, his only dream was to work in professional sports. Uh, my dream then was to be, uh, I want to be a radio play-by-play guy. Uh, I wanted to be on the road and, you know, do play-by-play for for just any sports team, but particularly a minor league baseball team. Because, again, that's what I grew up with. You know, in the Carolinas, I'm the guy that would go as a teenager and sit in my father's car and twist the AM radio dial just looking for teams. And, and you would have these clear channel radio stations from all over the, the nation where you could hear you know, baseball, play-by-play, to me, artists. And that's what I wanted to do. Um, unfortunately, uh, my accent is what it is. And in 1994, everyone was supposed to sound like Tom Brokaw, right? And, and that's not what I sound like. Uh, but that was. But I still pursued the dream. I had called some high school football, some small college football on the radio, and I, I took my box of cassette tapes and, and went looking for a job and did not land a play-by-play job. Uh, but I did land an internship with the tourists with the hope of perhaps maybe becoming the voice of the Asheville tourists. They didn't have a radio network and we were going to try to start one up. Uh, that did not happen, but, uh, but I've had a nice career regardless. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would say. Um, so uh, 
what I've learned from your book, and certainly from this 1994 summer, um, were so many characters connected to uh, the minor leagues, or at least this minor league team. And the, the biggest one, or one of the biggest ones, was Ron McKee, who was the part owner and general manager uh, for the Asheville Tourists. Talk a little bit about him. I mean, he was one of the reasons why you were also attracted to this job. Yeah, and Ron was... Um was a minor league legend and, and to this day unfortunately we lost ron a couple of years ago but but to this day you walk into any minor league ballpark and you drop the name ron mckee and, and he's on the mount rushmore you know of, of minor league baseball legends but ron was um ron was an acquired taste is how i put it there there was no it was very black and white with ron you know these were the rules he, he constantly reminded us this is not uh this is a not a democracy this is a dictatorship. Uh, the, the quote that we actually start the book with was Ron's favorite quote, which is, don't tell me about the labor pains, just show me the baby. And, and Ron was, was Western North Carolina through and through. He had that accent. Uh, he was as round as he was tall. Uh, when he walked into a room, his voice filled that room. And even in rooms full of a lot of very uh, self-important people, uh, you know, in, in the world of professional sports, Ron would dominate every room he walked into. And so you learn a lot from him. He'd drive you crazy. He was the, the ultimate boss, but then you look back later in life and it's one of the people that formed, you know, who you are. Now, to your point, he is well known when he took over uh, the team in, in 1980. It was a, a decrepit ballpark. Uh, the team was all over the place. Fans weren't interested, were not interested, really. And he had to do some very clever innovation. I wonder if you read from the book, uh, starting on page 46, about some of the stuff that he came up with. Ron created Shirt Off Your Back Night, in which at the conclusion of the game, tourist players would pull their game-worn jerseys off and give them directly to some lucky fans. The man that the Asheville Citizen Times described as the P.T. Barnum of baseball always took credit for the phrase, the greatest show on dirt and always claimed that Hollywood director and former minor league ball player, Ron Shelton had stolen it to use in bull Durham after shooting his scenes at McCormick field and seeing it painted over the door. Ron saved enough money to bring in the famous San Diego chicken, including one home game that drew more than 7,000 fans to a stadium that seats only 4,000. The chicken entered the stadium via a helicopter hanging out of the open side door and waving with his feathery orange wings, but landing a Huey in a little ballpark that's wrapped by a mountainside of towering trees, power lines, and swirling winds is not easy. That caused the famous chicken's chopper to suddenly lurch as it made its approach. At that moment, all I could see was the headline the next day all over the world with my picture next to it, Ron recalled to me. Asheville minor league team kills fans using famous San Diego chicken, but everyone survived. Um, that's my guest, Ryan McGee, reading from his latest book, Welcome to the Circus of Baseball, a story of the perfect summer at the perfect ballpark at the perfect time. Um, there are so many warm and wonderful stories, as many people have noted uh, in the book. Um, and it's funny all the way through. There are a few places where it's so laugh out loud funny. Um, I want you to know this, Ryan. People turned around and looked at me in Starbucks because I was, you know, practically banging on the table. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was like, this is some crazy stuff. But as your job as an intern, you had to do it all. Um, one of the, the experiences that I just felt for you every time you talked about it was pulling the tarp out, which you had to pull out if it was going to rain so that the grounds would not get ruined. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, the, the tarp was, if you've seen Home Alone, right, when Kevin goes down in the basement to do laundry and the furnace is like haunted and is speaking to him like Kevin. <laughs> That's how I felt every time I walked past that tarp that was rolled up over in the corner. But here's the thing about the tarp. When you go to a game at Wrigley Field or Yankee Stadium and they pull the tarp, they have dozens of people pulling this giant, you know, heavy, you know, it's this rainproof cover for the entire ballpark infield. And when you have dozens of people, it's beautiful, right? It's choreographed. Everyone rolls that sucker out and just enough air gets under it. And it almost looks like you're taking like a silk sheet and just spreading it over a bed, right? It just looks great. Well, at, at a minor league ballpark, sometimes we had four people to do this while we were in a downpour. And as a result, um, sometimes the tarp pull turned into more of a tarp drag. And then I also learned, no matter how many people you have, if it's enough of a thunderstorm, and you're talking about the middle of July in Western North Carolina and the Smoky Mountains, when the storms hit, they hit hard. And the ballpark McCormick Field is built on the side of a mountain. Well, the wind liked to ricochet off that mountain. And there was one time, and, and heaven knows I wish I still weighed this, but I weighed about 130 pounds back then. And the wind, as I held on to this nylon handle loop of this tarp, the wind got up underneath the tarp. And in my mind, I went about 150 feet up in the air. The reality is, is that that puff of air probably put me about six or seven feet up in the air. And it, but by my feet left the ground. And I tell people this all the time. When, when I go to Disney World and, and I ride soaring, which is the ride where your, your feet dangle and you fly over the Eiffel Tower and, and, and all that. I knew exactly how that felt before I ever rode that ride. So yeah, I, people say, what's you know, I, I, your dream is to man, my superpower would be to fly. I've flown. It's a little overrated. Um, but I, <laughs> the good news is the good news is I was young and made out of rubber. So when I landed on the ground, I was not hurt very badly. Now I'd go to the hospital. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and I'm speaking with Ryan McGee, author of Welcome to the Circus of Baseball, a story of the perfect summer at the perfect ballpark at the perfect time. It's our May selection for Bookmarked, the Under the Radar book club. So um, I was struck always through the book about how the minor league teams, there's particularly the Asheville tourists, seem to be held together with glue, uh, maybe gum, um, and living on a wing and a prayer to stay in existence. And some of the clever ways uh, you detailed in the book about, you know, just survival, how they uh, managed to survive because of the folks that work there and, you know, the genius of a kind of a Ron McKee. So I was really taken with the whole concession system that one of the employees at the park um, for the Asheville tourists came up with, and that was Jane. I'd love you to read from page 144. I am sure that in modern billion-dollar professional sports, those who run the concessions for Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys at the Jerry Dome, AT&T Stadium, or for the Steinbrenner family at what I still call New Yankee Stadium, they probably make their decisions on purchasing, stocking, and selling via some artificial intelligence-powered algorithm. 
that was written by the same nerds who came up with war and QBR as modern sports statistics. I've been a sports writer my whole adult life, and I still have no idea how war and QBR work. But those nerd-powered analytics conjured up by my ESPN stats and information coworkers pale in comparison to Jane placing orders and telling us how much of what to thaw out and cook based purely on the algorithm of her eyes, head, and instinct. Watching her was like watching Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind. She would look at the schedule on a Wednesday in May and see that for that game that night, played against the Macon Braves, we had an announced promotion of a T-shirt giveaway for the first 500 kids through the gate, that the choir from Asheville First Baptist Church would be singing the national anthem, and that the weather forecast was for a temperature of 81 degrees and a slight chance of rain. She would sit there, process it, and then say, okay, you need to mix an extra bottle of blueberry flavor for the snow cone stand, thaw out an extra box of chicken breasts, make sure the Dairy Queen machine is filled up, but don't really worry about running out of beer. We'll be fine there tonight. Translation, 500 kids will be here for free t-shirts and kids are obsessed with blue snow cones. They don't even ask for the real flavor. They just order blue. We need an extra chicken to grill because all those kids would have moms with them and moms typically order chicken sandwiches instead of hamburgers. The Macon Braves being in town would bring in a lot of Atlanta Braves fans. And in the Dairy Queen stand, we had little plastic ice cream bowls that looked like Braves ball caps, and they'd buy them up. And finally, Asheville First Baptist Church had a gigantic choir, and they would be bringing their families, and Baptists don't drink beer, at least not in public where everyone else can see them doing it. See? Genius. I love that. That's my guest, Ryan McGee, author of Welcome to the Circus of Baseball, a story of the perfect summer at the perfect ballpark at the perfect time, our May selection for Bookmarked, the Under the Radar Book Club. All right. These um, heartfelt questions now, because you love minor leagues so much, and as I said, they seem to be struggling always. Are minor leagues the soul of baseball, and are they the last vestige of some affordability um, for people who want to enjoy the baseball game? There's no question about it. You know, to me, what do we always say we love about baseball, right? And James Earl Jones gives his speech in Field of Dreams, and, you know, we watch these movies, watch these movies and we think about the romanticism of baseball and, you know, these heroes that we can relate to. And the major leagues are great. I mean, I have such a great time anytime I'm in a major league ballpark. But the reality is, is that, the real romanticism of baseball still lives in places like Hickory, North Carolina, right? And, and in places like, you know, in, in, in you know, Worcester, Massachusetts, and in little towns across Texas, and the, the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. And you can take a family of four to a ballpark, spend about 30 bucks. Everyone can get in. Everyone gets something to eat. Everyone gets something to drink. And, you know, I love the big leagues. I can't even get into the ballpark for 30 bucks, let alone park, you know, let alone get some, get a hot dog. And it's a chance to reconnect with what we all loved about baseball. We call it the national pastime. And the reality is the atmosphere of a minor league ballpark feels like a pastime. In March, uh, the Asheville City Council voted to move forward with the McCormick Field renovations. That's where the Asheville tourists uh, played. And uh, a lot of people are saying it's the first step in keeping the minor league team in Asheville. It's up to $20 million over 20 years. What do you think about that? 
I think it's uh, it's painful for the city um, to have to shell out that kind of money. Uh, McCormick Field was originally built in 1924. Uh, it was completely torn down and renovated, though the playing field itself stayed the same. But a brand new ballpark was built um, in the early 1990s for three million dollars, and now Major League Baseball, who took over uh, operations of minor league baseball uh, two years ago, they're strong arming these towns into having to spend this kind of money to save their ball club. And what I'm what I'm curious to know, and I think I already know the answer to this is the people who are now in charge of minor league baseball, who work in Rockefeller Center, where, where Major League Baseball is headquartered, I wonder if they ever actually leave New York and go to these towns and see what these towns mean, as opposed mm-hmm. to just treating these places like, you know, it's just a big labor negotiation. And that's what these are. These are labor lawyers. These are the lawyers that, that have been involved in all the labor negotiations as tense and as terrible as they can be between Major League Baseball and its players. So I applaud the city of Asheville for saving the team because it's what they did. If they didn't find that money, the reality is, is that McCormick Field would have sat empty, um, you know, for the first time in over a century. And uh, that's, that's just, it's not good for Asheville and it's certainly not good for baseball because all of this that I write about in the book, um, the characters, and the atmosphere, and I can't, I can't imagine anyone believing that the game of baseball will be better off without those characters and those places. And so I applaud Asheville for saving it, and, and now the pressure is on a lot of other cities to do the same as they go forward. Now, in terms of reviving interest, if there needs to be revival of interest in baseball in general, um, I was taken with this lot of attention on this world baseball game um, back in March between uh, it ended up with Japan versus the U.S. and Japan won. Um, What say you about that? Is that what's needed to keep um, interest in baseball, to keep support for the game in general, which, of course, then filters down to the minor leagues, which you love? You have to create excitement. And the World Baseball Classic was created when the Olympics decided they didn't want baseball anymore. Um, and so, all right, we're going to have a global stage. Major League Baseball came up with this. Now the trick is taking that excitement and, you know, and then figuring out a way to spread that out over, um, you know, the extended period of the, of the longest season of professional sports, which is baseball. What do you want people to take away from your book? That it was the greatest summer of my life, that no matter where you live in the United States, you are probably a pretty short drive from a minor league ballpark somewhere. And I love these people. I mean, you know, I love Jane. uh, I love Ron McKee. I love Carolyn McKee, Gary and Eileen Saunders and RJ Martino and Carlton Adcock, my roommate, and, and Swish, Stephen Witt, the most handsome dude I ever met in my life, the other intern, Lee Tillery. The, the, I still, to this day, I have this small window of my life where I was with these people. And uh, my honestly, my, my, my greatest nervousness about writing the book was making sure I did them justice. And, um, and it's just fun. I just hope people will read the book and remember why we all love baseball in the first place. It's maybe second only to jazz as the most uniquely American experience. And oh, by the way, we had a jazz saxophonist who would come in and play the national anthem once a week. So there you go. 
Well, you got one more reader that you wouldn't have had because I told you how I feel about it, and it's excellent. So I think you did your job. Thank you so much for joining me. And that makes you, by the way, my new best friend. So thank you. I appreciate that. Ryan McGee is a senior writer for ESPN, the magazine, and co-hosts the Marty and McGee Show for ESPN Radio and the SEC Sports Network. His latest book, Welcome to the Circus of Baseball, a story of the perfect summer at the perfect ballpark at the perfect time, is available online and in bookstores now. We're going out on more of the cheap seats by the band Alabama. That's it for this week's edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Listen to us online at GBH News or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date with our programming. Under the Radar with Callie Crossley is a production of GBH, produced by Jesse Steinmetz and engineered by Dave Goodman. Our intern is Jenny Firm. Listen again on Thursday and see you here at 6 p.m. next Sunday for a new episode. I'm Callie Crossley. Thanks for listening.